Cobra. Chapter 10. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This would have to be one of the most commonly used verses in the Bible, and yet I wonder how many of us are actually truly in the life of what Paul is saying. What words get emphasized here determines how we actually approach the reality of what is being said. When I have listened to many people quote this, the focus tends to be given to the I can do rather than the him who strengthens me. Ask yourself this very question. When you say these words, where do you put the emphasis? Depending on where you put the emphasis will determine how you approach this truth. It can be the difference between coming into an abundance of life in Christ or burning out in Christ and being left frustrated and disillusioned. This is the position we can find because our emphasis is all wrong and as in the previous chapter, this doesn't need to be the case. When considering the context for this passage, we see that Paul is not talking about what we do for Christ, but more about being content with what we do or don't have in Christ. Paul says he knows how to get along and be content in whatever circumstances he finds himself in because he has learnt the secret of this. Whether it be with humble means or whether it be in prosperity, whether being filled or going hungry or having abundance or suffering need, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Do we have our own personalized reference for God's strength constantly operating within us? Paul is saying it is the power or the strength of Christ that lives within him that enables and empowers him to live this way. It's the strength of Christ that has him demonstrating a life of righteousness, and it is the strength of Christ operating in us that also has us living a life of righteousness. Too many of us focus on being right or wrong, making sure we don't fall into error, rather than concentrating on living righteously. Whose strength is it? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The him who strengthens me is where we are to put the emphasis in this verse of truth. It is not our strength, power, or capabilities that has us living like this, but his eternal strength. Our strength is nothing compared to his strength, and we must surrender our strength to Christ if we are to experience this reality and dimension of life in Christ. Man's wisdom and strength must surrender to our Creator and be put to death, never to be seen again. Only then can we receive his strength in us. We must realize that we bring nothing to the party except our weakness and vulnerability. We come humbly before the lover of our soul and we lay our strength down and receive his strength. For many in the body of Christ, I believe, this is a road still to be traveled. It is a road that still awaits the footsteps of God's people. God's rest is a posture of strength. One aspect of God's strength is his Sabbath rest. We are to live and operate from. Hebrews 4.10 teaches us that the one who has entered his rest has also rested from his works. What a powerful truth and promise. Do we notice the order of proceedings here? Those who have entered the rest, the Father's rest, rest from their own works. 
It's not those who rest from their works who enter into his rest, but those who enter into his rest rest from their own works. The order is very important. Again, how can one truly learn from Jesus unless they have entered his rest, ceasing from their own works? What does it mean to enter his rest? Jesus teaches us to come to him so he can give us rest. This rest is rest for our soul. Our mind, will and emotions are to be defined by the rest that Jesus gives us. Have we discovered this rest yet through our relationship with Christ so we are truly able to do things his righteous way? Have we entered into this new way of living which has caused us to rest from our works? The word enter is very significant. It's a bit like entering into the kingdom. We move towards Christ and through his power we enter into this dimension of rest within us. It is a powerful work of the Holy Spirit and it is something that happens in us and not to us. We are changed on the inside and now find ourselves with a substance in us which we draw and live from. This raises the next question around what it means to rest from our works. It means we are no longer trying to change ourselves or anyone else or bring ourselves into life. We are no longer trying to come to know God and his ways through our human learning, mindsets and methods. We are no longer operating from the ways of the flesh or man. We have ceased from striving through our human strength and effort and we enter into this brand new posture and position in Christ that is still active but a completely different way of being and living. It's called Sabbath rest and it is from this position that all things are accomplished in and through him. This is the position Paul was in, in Christ. Let's take a closer look at this passage in Hebrews 4 so we can wrestle with God for the reality that exists for us. Hebrews 4, 1-12 Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to hum... I'll do that again. Hebrews 4, 1 to 12. Therefore, let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed into that rest, just as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David after so long a time, just as has been said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. 
So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Diligent to enter his rest. If we haven't yet, today is the day to enter into this believer's rest. Not tomorrow, but today. Verse 8 says that Joshua would not have spoken of another day if he had given them rest. Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land, and yet he spoke of another day. This is the rest that Christ would come with, and in coming to Christ, we would receive this rest within us, which is the new promised land. We must be diligent in our pursuit of this rest, as the scriptures teach. The promised land in our context is not a physical land, but is our entire being abiding in Christ. His desire is to see us all living in the fullness of his glory because we are literally receiving his life within us through the power of the spirit of truth. God is in fact our rest and if Christ is being formed within us, we will in fact live from the spiritual dimension while on earth. It's fully possible to live our lives from this rest every day. Once again, it is from this place that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This is our reality because it's not me doing it, but Christ doing it through me and in me. Deuteronomy 12, 8-10 You shall not do at all what we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For you have not as yet come to the resting place and the inheritance of which the Lord your God is giving you. When you cross the Jordan and live in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies around you so that you live in security. Until we have let go of self, which causes us to do whatever we perceive as right in our own eyes, we will not come into this rest that Moses is speaking of because we are still trying to enter into it through our own way. We are still trying to accomplish things through our own strength. Living from rest is part of our inheritance that is in Christ, and it is available for us now today in Christ. This is why the author of Hebrews stresses for us not to harden our hearts as the Israelites did, because in so doing, we also fail to enter into God's rest, just as they did. His power operating within us. We see Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, imploring God three times that the thorn in his flesh might leave him. But God's response is eye-opening. God's answer to Paul is that his grace or power is sufficient for him to overcome this trial or affliction because God's power is perfected in weakness. As we come to the end of our strength to try and live this life out, we find a new power born within us and it is from this place we now live. 2 Corinthians 12.9 Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. How many of us try to hide our weaknesses rather than boast about them? 
How many of us spend more time sharing about our strengths and how right we have got everything? How many of us are more than comfortable sharing with others our absolute failures through multiple attempts to bring ourselves into life and giving testimony of how wrong we got it? The only people who can do this from a true place of stop. The only people who can do this from a true place of biblical humility are those who have been prepared to leave the place they know and pursue a greater revelation of God, in this case, an eternal rest. This very step of obedience to the Father's word has caused the power of God to dwell within them through the process of surrender and weakness, the very process that is an abomination to the flesh. The word dwell means to take possession of or live in the very thing one owns. We are all to have God's power dwelling in us. The scriptures refer to us being God's own possession, and Christ living in us is the hope of glory. The formation of the life of Christ within us is in fact the power of God. As the Bible says, Christ is the power and wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 24. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, 11, Ephesians 6, 10, Psalm 110, 3, and Psalm 105, verse 4, and ask ourselves, what do we see? 1 Peter 4, 11. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Psalm 110.3 Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. Psalm 105 verse 4, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face continually. There is a very clear pattern that emerges from these passages. It's God's strength or power operating in and through us that must be in place if we are to live the lives he calls us to live. Without his strength operating in and through us, we will never finish the race he has mapped out for us as his church. It is from this position of God's strength operating within us that we now approach the part of the scripture that says, I can do all things. Luke 18.27 says this, The things that are impossible with people are possible with God. What a powerful statement. Nothing is outside of the realm of possibility in God. And as we operate from this new position in Christ, we start asking and believing for so much more in him in relation to seeing his kingdom established in and through the lives of the church and upon the earth. Ephesians 3, 20-21 Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jesus also said that we would do greater things than he. This means so much more than just praying for the sick. Because Christ's power or strength is now dwelling within us, there is nothing we can't go through or accomplish in his name because we have entered into this newfound reality. 
Paul said he strived according to the power of God, which mightily works within him. Notice the word works. This power is working at all times in and through Paul, and it is this that enables and empowers him to be used by God to accomplish God's purposes. We still have to realize it is not us achieving these things, but the power of God operating in and through us. We are the vehicle or the vessel that God is using to bring his life into the lives of those who live upon this earth. He's having a break for water. What his power enables. What are the things that the church of Jesus Christ is able to do now that this newfound strength is operating within them? Let me list some of the things the church can now accomplish through Christ's strength in accordance to his teachings or instructions. Firstly, we are fully capable of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength with the love he loves us with. Ephesians six twenty four. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Secondly, we are fully capable of loving our neighbor with the love the Father loves us. John 13, 34-35 A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Thirdly, we are able to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters in Christ to see God's will established in their lives. 1 John 3.16 We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Number four, we are wholeheartedly surrendered to the Father and lay our lives down to see his will established in the church and through the world. Matthew twenty eight nineteen to 20 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We will proclaim the kingdom message, and signs and wonders will be accomplished through us in his name. Luke 1 Sorry. Luke 9, 1-2 And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. The next one, we will be found eating and drinking his living word. 1 Thessalonians two thirteen. For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. We will be found in prayer and have a passion for prayer. Acts twelve five. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. This is to be the church's reality, and this is a vision worth living for. This is how Paul lived, and we are to imitate Paul's life. 
The things I list are all outcomes of God's strength operating in and through us as his people. This is the church that the world is longing to see on planet earth and needs to see. A church that is being built by Jesus himself will find themselves living like this to the measure they are in his strength. The fruit of the spirit that is being formed and grown through God's strength within the church becomes the very substance with which the church lives her life from. God's strength being present in the lives of God's church not only has them accomplishing powerful works for God, but greater than this, we have the eternal life within us, which promises. I'll read that again. God's strength being present in the lives of God's church not only has them accomplishing powerful works for God, but greater than this, we have the eternal life within us, which Christ promises. All this is accomplished through the power of the Spirit, operating from our own initiative. There is a catch to, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, and we must be fully aware of this. It is fully possible to be operating out of his gifting and calling, which are irrevocable, and still be doing it from our own initiative. The key to walking in complete alignment with God is to make sure we are living our lives in accordance to his way. It was Jesus himself who said he did not. Stop. It was Jesus himself who said he did nothing from his own initiative, nor did he speak on his own initiative. John 5.30 I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 12.49 For I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. These are not just nice words spoken by Jesus, but the reality that Jesus lived his life from, and it is to be ours as well. If we fail to do this, we will ultimately not experience the life we are called to. Jesus said he did not seek his own will, but the will of him who sent him. So right here is our example as well. It's not enough to do things for Jesus. They must be done in the way of Jesus. This, I believe, is where many go astray and run the risk of hearing away from me as I never knew you. Jesus says in Matthew 7.21, It is those who do the will of the Father who will enter the kingdom of heaven, and not just people who say, Lord, Lord, and do things in the name of Jesus. This is to act as a wake-up call for us and also a plumb line for the lives we are to live. There is a way that everything happens in God, and we must know the way, Jesus. It's upon the revelation of Jesus that we will discover the way of the Father. The way is a person, not a process or a formula or a method or a principle. Too many leaders and followers are fixed on methods and formulas of change, rather than on the person who brings about eternal transformation. The way to life is through the person, Jesus. Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah because the Father revealed this to Peter, but what Peter didn't have yet was a revelation of the way of God. Hence, when Jesus taught him that he must go to Jerusalem to die and rise again after three days, Peter stood up and rebuked Jesus for his words. From Peter's perspective, this was not the way. But as we know, unless the kernel of wheat fell to the floor 
How could any of us experience the life that is contained in the Christ? All of our ways must fall to the floor if we are to come into the fullness of life that Jesus died for us to experience. Anything less than this, and we will sabotage this full position. Just having a drink of water. <clears throat> We see Jesus then rebuking Peter for this demonic mindset and ordering Peter to get behind them. In other words, foolish man, get out of my way. Your mind is set on your own selfish interests rather than God's. I wonder how many of us also have our minds set on our own interests rather than God's when it comes to the ways of God. We have to understand and realize we can be justified by Christ's blood, washed of our iniquity and sin, and yet still operate under a false way. The thief in John 10.10 10 is a false teacher and not Satan, as is commonly taught. It is fully possible for us to be this false teacher who teach a false way. A big part of this teaching in John 10 is about Jesus behind the door to abundant life, and yet the thief, the false teacher, comes to rob people of this life because they teach another way. 2 Corinthians 11.4 for if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. The reality is many have no understanding that this is what they are actually doing, and this is not their intention, but it is still happening. We are so fortunate that God's immense love is covering this reality while we all grow and mature in the way of God. We must not take this lightly, though, and we must come to this place of godly repentance for our way and not his. Otherwise, as mentioned, we run the risk of hearing, away from me. This is not a heaven or hell reality, but an eternal reward one. Only those who float in this complete alignment to God's way will receive their eternal reward. There are many things we can accomplish. Look at the Tower of Babel, for instance. But it's not about what we can do, but what God does and in us. I'm going to read that again. There are many things we can accomplish. Look at the Tower of Babel, for instance. But it's not about what we can do, but what God does in and through us. It's only the work that he accomplishes through his strength that is able to withstand his fire going through it and does not get burnt up. These are the eternal works that God performs in and through surrendered vessels. Unless the Lord builds his house, no matter how good it looks to the temporal eye, it is all done in vain and is worthless, holding no eternal value. All things that are accomplished in his strength must also be accomplished in his way. Otherwise, they are futile works of man. Can I suggest we go back and read under the subheading what his power enables? And ask ourselves, how much of this reality are we living out and able to do because of his power or strength operating in and through us? This is an accurate indicator for us of where our relationship with Jesus is currently at. The end.
the other one.